Good morning, day or night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Surviving to Drive podcast, episode one. We are your hosts, Tyler and Alex, and we are your new favorite source of American-based F1 conversation. Today we will be discussing the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Tyler, what are some of your, your initial thoughts on the race? Initial thoughts are a little, I don't know, I think I overhyped myself for this one. I love the track so much. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it definitely, I, one of my probably top five tracks and definitely yeah. something that I was looking forward to, but I think it, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad race, but it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. It's hard. I know the whole new gen of cars has brought a very different race expectation, Yeah, but I think comparing everything to last year still makes everything very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for in general season to live up to that, just kind of yeah. what all went down last year and especially even comparing just this race to last year's Baku race, how exactly how wild that was, but crazy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of mechanical failures. Yeah. Ferrari based mechanical failures. Yes, that is true. We got we had uh signs on lap nine and then uh Leclerc a little bit later on in the race with the engine failure. Yeah. Um so not not looking good for, for Ferrari, I guess. Uh definitely, you know, the swing in points between them and Red Bull in the last four or five races has been pretty astronomical. Very big shift. Yeah. And Mercedes creeping up on them, too. Yeah. I mean, you got George Russell, 17 points behind Leclerc yeah. uh, for third in the driver's standings. And, you know, Mercedes as a team is not that far behind either. No. Shows you what consistency can be. Yes. Yeah. They're the, I, you know, they're the only team as a whole that hasn't had a DNF yet. Very so, impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah, they have been very consistent. And for a team with Hamilton not not having luck on his side at all, he, he got pretty lucky today. Yes, he did. Uh, so we had two virtual safety cars today, and uh, both of them benefited both Mercedes drivers because mm-hmm. um, they both were able to, to come in and get a free pit stop. Obviously, you know, the first one was a little tougher for Hamilton with having a double stack and being a little delayed and kind of putting him back in the order, but uh, ultimately it worked out for both of them finishing third and fourth, so... Yeah, great great strategy on their part. I mean, pitting him at the end there to to get up and roar past Gasly and get through Sonoda, who had an unfortunate unfortunate ending there. Yes, yeah, that was tough for Sonoda at the end. He was you know on for a points finish there, and then you know had the had the DRS wing break and got the black and orange flag and had to come into the pits for that. But talk about some weird rules. Yeah, that's that was a new one for me. I think the seeing the black and orange flag, but I think it is interesting with this race you know seeing the just the lack of red flags and full safety cars compared to years past in Baku and even compared to qualifying sometimes so I think a lot of people expected there to be more of that and we did have you know five DNFs overall which is a lot that's a big portion of the field but it was all just engine different engine failures and wasn't anything related to a crash so you know those two virtual safety cars you know benefited Mercedes the most and then you know, obviously the first one benefited Leclerc, but him not finishing the race, it really didn't matter in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the almost lack of incidents. And I think that starts with the rookies and Joe was looking pretty comfortable around Baku being the first time, especially in a Formula One car, in addition to how much of a driver's track Baku can be. And we've seen the likes of Charles Leclerc put it in the wall, but I think Joe was able to get through to Q2 being up in the top 10 looking yeah. really really racy and then i mean you know his casual fallout in q2s as it has been this year yeah and can't can't really continue to capitalize on it but he's been looking pretty good yeah i mean he was you know he was looking good this race too and um until he had that injury problem again that's you know three of the last four races for him where he hasn't finished because of some engine problem but yeah overall this year i've i've kind of been Genuine, genuinely surprised by by how well he's performed and uh you know coming in, in his first year and I know he you know there were there was a lot of talk about you know people maybe favoring Piastri or someone like that to actually take that seat over him based on performance in F2 but I think he's done a pretty solid job so far yeah absolutely and it definitely helps having Bottas there next to him it's been pretty interesting pretty pretty awesome to see how great they've got along and, yeah and how much Bottas has been able to I think improve his quality of F1 life. Yes, I would agree. Definitely doesn't have the same pressures and intensity that he that he had at Mercedes and in that role that he was in there. And I think he's also, you know, this year, for the most part, proved a lot of people wrong that just thought, you know, he, he was where he was at because of the car he was driving and not because of his racing ability. But him, you know, 
consistently bringing points finishes to Alpha, a team in the past that hadn't been doing that consistently. I think that was that's been very impressive for me so far this year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and speaking of taking the pressure off, Pierre Gasly has been putting in some amazing performances out with AlphaTauri. Yes, yeah, he definitely has, uh, you know, been picking it up again this year and, um, you know, I think showing people that he does deserve a seat at at one of the top teams. And, you know, I think that's definitely something that could be in his future, depending on kind of how the, the driver market shakes out this year. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but... Yeah, no, I think it'll it'll definitely be interesting to watch. I think his options are limited with how how full and how lengthy some of these contracts are going. Um, but he does definitely deserve another uh, another seat up front to to maybe put in some more of those those great great performances. But he's had some. I mean, it looks ten times better when he's in doing P fours, P fives, P sixes in an Alphatari. Oh yeah, it's it's. It's super impressive, especially, you know, with a, with a midfield car like that and, you know, putting it there and qualifying and then keeping it there during the race because, you know, obviously qualifying is one thing. You know, wild things can happen sometimes, and you can have where someone qualifies way higher than they, they probably should have. But for him to, you know, qualify in sixth and then ultimately end up, you know, fifth in the race and uh, was battling Hamilton there at the end and didn't finish very far behind, that was very impressive. Yeah. Another big-time performance today was Sebastian Vettel. Oh yeah, he's been he's been on it all weekend and was able to throw it up in into the top ten and in qualifying and capitalize on on some uh, some other mechanical failures DNFs. But even with his uh, his mistake trying to pass Ocon, he had he had some good luck going forward. Yeah, I definitely think he you know in my opinion was probably you know one of the one of the drivers of the weekend for me in terms of just overall performance, especially what he's getting out of that car. And you look at him compared to Stroll, obviously. Stroll the DNF today, but regardless, he was in you know 14th, 15th at the time, anyways. And Roy was never there all weekend, and yeah. had that crash in Q1, and you know Seb was able to put it, put it into Q3, and and actually move up in the field in the actual race, despite like you said, having that runoff um, where he was trying to pass Ocon. So yeah, there's been there's been a couple drivers that have been struggling. I think Stroll is starting to fall into that category. Yeah, it's been a while since yeah. he's. He's really put in a, a really great performance. I think him and Vettel have been kind of on the similar terms, but yeah. that car is not one to to be to create many of those opportunities yes. for the drivers. But I think you know, following with that, you got Ricardo who had a better weekend. Yeah, a better weekend, and uh, maybe Mick having his first back row start of the year. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But. Yeah, I would say, you know, to kind of expand on the Ricardo thing, I think that's kind of been a, a touchy subject for people this year because he still hasn't, you know, now in his second year with McLaren, like still hasn't reached kind of what they wanted him to reach. And, you know, up until, other than that first race where, you know, the McLaren was terrible in general in Bahrain, the, you know, for most of the year in qualifying, Lando has been light years ahead. And then in the race too, it just hasn't even been comparable. Um, so it was nice to see this weekend, you know, Lando was still ahead in qualifying and stuff, but it was nice to see, you know, Ricardo there and capitalize on, you know, the DNS that happened and, and secure some points for him. So that's probably a confidence boost for him going forward. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. What are your thoughts on some of the team orders? I know there's a couple of different teams we can talk about in, yeah. in this category, but regarding the Ricardo and Norris debate at the end of the race in the middle of the race, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, you know, overall, I think they kind of equaled it out between the two by, you know, in the middle of the race, Ricardo had the pace to pass Lando and probably should have, but they told him not to to try to get Lando track position and get the overcut done on Alonso. Um, and then I think they basically, you know, validated what they did at the end of the race by saying, well, we had you help him or him help you, and now we're going to do the reverse at the end of the race. But, um, you know, Lando made a good point that, the finishing order of the race is different than the strategy during the middle of the race so yeah it is interesting because you think about it and and if ricardo helped lando out for for you know a couple seconds for that lap or two that he stayed in position before lando went to the pits does that second or two is that what caught him up to ricardo at the very end of the race and then helping and yeah. helping and kind of nets out to nothing but i think you know, you put it in a in terms of 
if they weren't teammates yeah what would that have ended up in and it, it's easy i think at the end of the race to say lando would he would have easily gotten through if it was somebody yeah. he could have raced but it's difficult to to weigh the middle of the race yeah. effects that yeah. would have been in place yeah and i think too it's it's you know different team by team in the case of mclaren you know neither ricardo or lando even though lando's much further ahead on point is not fighting for the championship at all and so you know swapping the drivers potentially there for lando to get two more points out of it yeah. you know what is that ultimately going to do in the end other than potentially cause controversy within the team that's not gonna it's not like he's battling at the front for the championship so yeah yeah and speaking about controversy and competing yeah. for the championship red bull Red yeah. Bull has some, some back and forth. Yeah, I think uh, I think today was fair. Today yeah. was fair. You know, it's always nice as a fan to want to see some fighting, but yeah. when you do think about some of the consequences yeah. of allowing your drivers to do that, and it was really interesting. I thought one of the first instances I've seen of the very reserved finish of the race by Verstappen yes. and the team. Some of those radio messages were yeah. very interesting to hear about because it is something you don't really think about. You want to push, push, push. It's in a race. You know, that's all you want. Yeah. Especially as a fan watching it. But you hear about, you know, no more DRS because we don't want that black and orange flag. Yeah. And, you know, no more no more pushing. They're arguing over tire temperature. Yeah. Lap times. I thought that was pretty interesting. I think it was too. I think, uh, you know, they're obviously blessed to be in a position where they can have those discussions because they were you know both him and Perez were so far ahead of the rest of the field and you know pretty much all weekend and all year have been been that way um but I think it is I think today was fair and and how they did it and you know Max definitely had more pace the whole day obviously you had you know Checo take the lead on lap one and in that first stint looked good but then after that that initial you know tire change it he clearly was lacking something that that Max Max had today, and so I think it was fair to not have them fight, especially with, at that point, you know, you have both Ferraris DNFing, you want to make sure as a team you're securing the most amount of points you can get to, to gain that advantage, so today I think it was fair, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, something that I think this year is going to be a little bit more point of contention across the course of the season, yeah. given how close Checo is in the standings to Max, you know, them being first and second, and One, two, it, yeah. yeah, not being a, a big gap in the standings, whereas, you know, last year... It took a little while for Checo kind of to get into form before uh, you could even entertain that discussion. Yeah. Um, and he, at that point, he was so far behind that there was no reason to have it. So it was just, you know, Max and only Max. So yeah. I think it will be interesting, like, if, you know, let's say Max has another DNF or something like that and Checo wins another race, you know, then you're talking about being even on points or Checo even being ahead. You know, what do you do at that point then? Yeah, and it's very interesting seeing it because a lot of times when you have a number one driver and a number two driver, or what it seems to be a number one and number two driver, the number two driver is never able to really back up their fight yeah. with actual performances. Where, you, you know, for example, Bottas last year, yeah, and, you know, giving the haters a little message was, was kind of funny, but it's interesting to think about how even through some of his you know, and Bottas is a great driver and had some great performances, but he was never really rivaling Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. And so that case would warrant a lot of team messages like that. When you have yeah. a driver like Checo that's actually putting in these performances weekend after weekend and, and looking really good throughout each weekend, it kind of changes changes some of the, uh, the thought process in that. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, I think Red Bull is, going to struggle with the rest of the year because of just how much closer they are together this year compared to last year and like you said even if you look back in the past obviously you know like with Mercedes having Hamilton and Bottas and the, that kind of being a similar situation where Bottas was always usually getting the short end of the stick because of just how it was working out in the championship and stuff but other than the beginning of the season you know even in those cases for the most part Lewis was always one step ahead and was yeah. far enough ahead to where you could validate it, but I think it will be interesting to see how it plays out when you have two guys like this that are that close. And, you know, in the last, you get the last couple of races, obviously this weekend, you know, Max is a little bit quicker in the race, but in terms of qualifying this weekend and then the entire weekend in Monaco, Checo was clearly the better driver of the two and was performing better. So 
you know, if that continues over the course of the season, how, how does that dynamic play out? Because the two of them seem to have a great relationship too. So, like, does yeah. that, you know, become fractured similar to kind of how, you know, Max and Danny Rick were at the end of that yeah. era? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So, Alex, you mentioned earlier your top five tracks this this track fits in there. Yeah, for me, it's, I think, you know, number four or five for me probably on the calendar, um, just in terms of it kind of hitting all the, the great things about F1. You know, you have a long straight, you have a, a tight street circuit, you have slow corners, you have fast corners. Um, it just kind of checks all the boxes for me. Um, obviously, kind of as we talked about earlier, it wasn't as exciting as we had hoped for this race, but yeah. overall, still one of my favorite tracks and... Um, I think one of the really interesting things is, you know, normally at Baku you have most of the overtaking happening, you know, down that long DRS straight or into turn one. Yeah. Uh, and I think we didn't see as much of it this year, um, whereas we saw a lot of overtaking into turn three in that second yeah. DRS zone. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. or it is, it is interesting. I think some of it is that the slipstream isn't as much of an effect this year with these cars, but... It is interesting that they're able to follow so close, maybe close that gap a lot and then follow so close to turns one and two to get down to that straight. And then that extra little DRS helps when you can use it. But um, yeah, overall, Baku is probably my favorite track on the calendar. I think it does tick all those boxes and uh, provides a great, great driver's challenge and some of those twisty turns like the castle section and then a great engineer challenge trying to find a setup. You had very different approaches to this weekend with teams like Alpine that were absolutely flying down the back straight and obviously a, you know their power units are helping out with that but you see teams like like Ferrari who were able to get up there on pole with very good and low speed corners and maybe not the greatest uh, down the back straight but it's a very interesting track to watch and a very different approach by a lot of teams. Yeah I agree I think it's I think especially, like you said, with the engineering, um, kind of how teams approached it this year, um, especially with the new regs and stuff, there's, I think, a, a lot more ways you can approach a circuit like this. And, and like we saw, um, Alpine looked like an absolute rocket ship, you know, going down the straights. And it benefited them where n even in that DRS zone, people struggled to pass them when they didn't have DRS. So yeah. I think that's something that, you know, each team, approached it differently and, and like you said we saw teams like ferrari that you know in qualifying were able to put it on pole you know leclerc had an awesome lap there and mm -hmm. was way ahead of everybody else and most of that time was gained through all the turns and stuff rather than on that straight so yeah very interesting i think tracks also bring a lot more than you know just the circuit and i know you know and i know a lot of people near me know that i am a big fan of the uh azerbaijan national anthem i think I, it's an absolute banger i agree it's you know this is my first year hearing it i i watched the race last year but did not watch the pre-race show it's a good one um i agree with you that as we talked about before this that the last year's one was a little better rendition of it but overall if you haven't heard it it's a great great national anthem to give a listen to really i mean it gets you warmed up for the race it gets you just a little bit of hyped up it's i think awesome. so too yeah it's it's kind of a I don't really know how to describe it until you listen to it, but it's just it it kind of gets you gets you pumped up to to watch a race. Yeah, yeah. I think that I mean you know on top of that, obviously I'm a big fan of this this track, this circuit, this weekend. But I think there's a lot of things about a lot of circuits that are more external that that we like to discuss a little bit. I mean, some of the things like Austin when you're seeing the whatever two hundred four hundred thousand people sitting at turn one, that's a great view. I think. A lot of the things in Monaco, when you see a lot of a lot of fans on their balconies watching and waving flags, and you know Leclerc's friends sitting right there, it's a great atmosphere. And obviously the yachts, everybody knows about the yachts. Oh yeah, and all the fake ones in Miami too. And uh, yeah, I think that's something that we we really enjoy discussing as well. And Azerbaijan has a lot of the a lot of the good good. Things. Yeah, I mean you know the the main one that everyone obviously points to is just you know the castle section and yeah and getting drive drive through that but i think even when they just do the pan overs of the whole city and just seeing everything that surrounds it i think like you said that the the scenes around formula one is something that i think draws us into it too besides just the race itself yeah yeah and it's definitely something that 
going behind the scenes and some of the YouTube videos that a lot of teams put out is very interesting to see as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, you know, you and I are very excited for this weekend, coming into this weekend, going to Baku, some of our favorite tracks, and I know we made a couple predictions. Shall we go through them? Yeah, I think we I think we should, yeah. So we each did two pre-quality predictions, and then alongside that we did two pre-race predictions along with the top three. So we'll go ahead and start off with the qualifying predictions. So my pre-quality prediction was two red flags, and Perez will out-qualify Max, which isn't too much of a reach. I think no. it's been kind of looking that way, but yeah. still, I mean, Max is a great qualifier, so it's still... Uh, a very impressive feat yeah and i think the the two red flags was also a great prediction um for me i went with one red flag which ended up being correct bingo um uh, but i also had alonzo top six uh which wasn't he ended up qualifying 10th but you know all weekend the reason for that was because they looked so good in a straight line and they looked so quick and you know a lot of the weekend he had the fastest sector three of anyone in most of the free practices and was qualifying or was finishing in the free practices you know pretty much five six seven somewhere around there um but yeah we both went one for two this week for the first time so that's yeah. a pretty good start pre-quality yeah pre-quality not bad not bad so after after quality we went to our race predictions yep more more pre-race right before the yeah, race before. we decided to throw them down um i went with let's go let's go for our two additional and then we'll round it out with our top three yeah that sounds good so so i started my first one with george russell losing his top five streak which i don't wish for love the guy didn't happen no i mean it wasn't it wasn't even close to happening the opposite. it was the opposite happened um you know you had both ferraris having dnfs which obviously helped with that but very much uh even without it i mean he was in fifth to start the race and he didn't lose it off the start and based on the pace he had he probably would have finished fifth yeah regardless but yeah he ended up finishing on the podium so yeah very lonely race but yeah he's been an outstanding driver this year yeah he's been uh in my opinion you could argue uh probably potentially the best driver of the year given the car he has yeah um just in terms of you know he hasn't really made any mistakes yeah um obviously they've been fortunate to not have any dns or any engine failures or anything but in terms of things he can control he hasn't really made any mistakes and finished top five in every race and any chance he's had to capitalize on a safety car or anything like that he's capitalized on and i think he's gotten the most out of what is not one of the top two cars so yeah yeah there's been a couple times where luck has definitely been on his side but overall i think he's been i mean to have a stat like that with a car that he's in is very impressive yeah very impressive so that was my first one. Okay. Didn't get that one. My second one was at least one Alpine, McLaren, and Alfa Romeo finishing the points. And now I thought, I thought before that, that's that's pretty good prediction. Yeah. I was thinking 11-12 for McLaren. Yeah. They're, they sh- one of them should be to sneak in. Pop one in at least, yeah. yeah. And I was, you know, I was fully expecting carnage. Yeah. Which didn't, I mean, happened with it some, happened some with, goblins, yeah. but... Not fully. So, McLaren obviously snuck two in there, so that was well done to them. Alpine, you had Alonso sitting 10. Figured he could get the job done with how much of a rocket ship their car was looking like. And uh, and Ocon slid in as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, both Alpines, both McLarens, I think that was definitely, I guess I agree with, I think at least one of them was going to get in, but to see them both yeah. in there, um, obviously a lot of it was due to there being two DNFs from does help the ferraris and then also Tsunoda falling back because of the the yeah. drs failure but it's a solid weekend overall for for alpine and mclaren yeah and then i mean alpha wasn't far were they no i mean you had uh at the start of the race you had uh you know bodice and so bodice specifically kind of fall back but he did start in the hard tire so that was probably why and but you know he ended up finishing 11th so yeah one spot off and his race was a bit of a swing wasn't yeah. it yeah he was popping up, getting overtaken, yeah. popping up again. Yeah, finishing in P11 was pretty good. And you yeah. had Joe, who was putting in really a great race up yeah. until up until they had to retire the car. And very much outpacing Bottas. So, yeah. you know, I think he was potentially on for some points there. Yeah. And uh, just an unfortunate ending there. But 
those were my two. So I got, you know, a little 75% of one of them. Yeah, I mean, the, I would say, yeah, 75% of the second one. I'll give you that. The The first one was tough with the George losing the top five streak because that yeah. was as fo- almost as far as possible from actually happening. Bound but to happen. Eventually it has to happen, right? Yeah. But, I mean, we keep saying that. I think you could say that every race, and he just continues to finish in the top five. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, all right. I guess I'll go into my two non-finishing uh, order ones right now. Uh, so the first one I had was Vettel to finish in the points. Um, yeah. The reason for that is, uh, well, one, he qualified in the top 10. So I thought he had a good chance to begin with. And just he always goes well around Baku. He always has in the past and sure. um, always has you know, finished very well. And even last year in, in Aston Martin, he finished second. Yeah. Obviously, it was a wild race last year, but still capitalized on it. And yeah. I think this year we saw the same thing where he just you know, really likes this circuit and enjoys it and Cody does a very good job at it and, you know, was able to move up from qualifying ninth and finish sixth, so. And he was, I mean, absolutely rapid, even coming off of that, you know, little spin off the the little runoff. Yeah. Came back and was still able to get past all those guys. Yeah, he kept, he kept pace with everybody and, you know, same thing with, like we talked about with the Mercedes, he definitely was able to capitalize on, on the virtual safety car and yeah. get a free pit stop out of that and it worked out great for him this race so yeah so now give me your top three and give me give me a little reasoning behind why why you went with your top three there okay yeah so um my top three were Perez Verstappen and Sainz um Perez was simply because he's just been on form lately and this just seemed like a track that he also does well at, and obviously he won he won last year so it's not like this is something foreign to him and yeah um, so that was my thinking there. It obviously didn't work out, but he ended up finishing second and then max second. So just, you know, flip those. But, um, the signs when I thought, uh, you know, obviously Leclerc looked like he had more pace all weekend, but Ferrari seems to always bottle Leclerc's yeah. strategy regardless. And signs has been pretty unlucky this year. So I thought, uh, he has to, you know, eventually come off now and have some luck and be able to put, put it on the, you know, put it on the podium. But, Obviously, that did not work out at all. He, yeah, we talked about struggling drivers yeah. earlier, and I think it's very easy to overlook signs because he's put in, you know, P4s, P2s. Yeah, he's doing well, but really not able to match Leclerc. No, no, he, um, to me, it just seems like I don't know. I think he fell behind at the, the beginning of the season and didn't adapt to the car as quick. And then, you know, I think obviously this week, you know to no fault of his own the, the engine just went on him so that's you know nothing he can do about that but yeah. i think in general you know some of the mistakes he's had this year you know putting in the gravel and in a couple of different races and just not being totally on it i think it's just him trying to overcompensate for yeah feeling behind leclerc and feeling like he's falling behind and not wanting to fall into that secondary driver role yeah this early into the season and and that's something you see in qualifying he's pushing so hard his last lap it, yeah it, doesn't end you know, up the didn't, way. Didn't end up well then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting, especially coming off the season he had last year. His first year in Ferrari, he was able to adapt to the car well, able to outperform Charles on the sheets. Yeah, I mean he That's finished great. he was best of the rest last year, right? I mean he was Yeah. I'm pretty sure he finished uh P five last year in the standings after after Abu Dhabi and that was, you know, he wasn't gonna finish ahead of Red Bull and Mercedes or any of their four drivers, so Calling Ferrari the rest. Well, I mean, looking back on it, it's it is in, it? it is interesting. Yeah, it definitely is something that is why the the progress they've made between and I guess that goes back to you know we all heard rumors and stuff about them starting the car so early and yeah, kind of just saddling last year's car halfway through the season, and being like, this is it, we're just gonna deal with it for now, and then yeah. a better car for next season that obviously paid off for them, and it started to now. Yeah. It's now it's, slip away, it's but. starting to slip away a little bit, but. Yeah, good for them, though. I'm happy to see them a yeah. little further up front. Uh, happy at least somebody's challenging the Red Bulls at, yes. this, at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my top three, I went with Perez as well for a similar reason. You know, he's been looking hot all weekend. He's been looking hot coming into this weekend, overall winning in Monaco. Had a great race. And, you know, a lot of the media has been talking about number one, number two drivers, and how Red Bull's dealing with that whole situation. I think he's handling it 
very well. His PR team did an excellent job. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he has yet to blame any any switcheroos on on the team or anything. But I think uh, yeah, he's been doing well. So I was I was hoping he would he would be able to pop in another win, but nope. And I had Charles coming in second. Didn't see. You know, I was expecting a little bit of chaos. So yeah, I don't have Verstappen in my top three. I wasn't expecting him to finish the race. I wasn't predicting him to finish the race. Yes. I didn't, I didn't know what would happen, but I was expecting a little bit of pushing to get through one of the Ferraris or something and, and have yeah. a little bit of issues, but I guess not. Um, and I actually had, because of that, I had signs having an issue as well. So I had Hamilton coming through because he's had some pretty good pretty good pace yeah i mean you were he finished fourth so you weren't yeah far off and you there was i mean there wasn't carnage in the way that th- we thought there would be carnage but there exactly was dns and had one other thing happened to any of the top three hamilton would have finished third so yeah it's good to see him doing well now yes he had a couple weekends struggling it was yeah you know good to see him in spain put in a really good performance yeah. and and he's been more on the rise Hurting a little more, but yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, he had been complaining about his back all weekend because of the porpoising, and Mercedes, in my opinion, probably has the worst of it of any yeah. of any team. It seems like, but yeah, ever since Spain, you know, in Spain, you could argue if he doesn't get knocked off track by by Magnussen in that first turn, he could have potentially won the race. That's how yeah. good his pace was. Uh, I mean, he was definitely the quickest man on track that weekend. But you know, when you fall down to P twenty, that's tough on a track like Barcelona to. Yeah. to make a comeback like that. But, yeah, overall, since then, you know, Monaco, he, he looked good initially, just ended up getting stuck behind that Alonzo train that three-quarters of the field got stuck behind. Yeah. Um, but overall, definitely seems like he's getting his confidence back and getting in a better groove with the car. Yeah. That Spain performance brought me back a little bit to Brazil last year. Yes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe have some hope that he was going to really bring his confidence back to yeah. poor form. Yeah, so... I think the the next thing I kind of wanted to go into here is just, you know, our top three drivers in terms of performance-wise for this weekend at Baku. Um, So I'll start. So for me, the the best performance uh, was Vettel. I think he was the most surprising for me. And, um, you know, all weekend he looked good, like we talked about. He looked good in practice. uh, In qual, he put it into the top ten. And then in the race, moved up three positions and finished in sixth in a car that should not be finishing in six at all. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing to look at is comparing him to his teammate and where his teammate was at, which was nowhere near him the entire weekend. Yeah. And I think that all comes down to, to driver performance then. Um, so for me, Seb was the driver of the weekend yeah. um, as a whole. Uh, second on that list for me, um, I'm going to put my, my guy, Danny Ricardo. Um, obviously a little luck with the, with the virtual safety car and how that worked out and doing the one stop today. But I think, you know, considering the form he's been on this season, he was much closer to Lando in practice and qualifying this weekend. And, you know, in the race, they had similar pace and he finished ahead of him in the race. Obviously, like I said, benefited from, from that virtual safety car, but I think getting his confidence back and overall having, having a points finish is definitely a step in the right direction for him considering how the season has gone. Um, and then third for me is going to be Gasly. Um, the reason for that is because, you know, just like I said earlier, putting it in the top 10, putting it sixth in qualifying. And then not only that, but sustaining that position, you know, having a good battle with Hamilton for a decent amount of the race and finishing top five, uh, in an alpha is impressive to me. And I think shows him getting back to that form he was in last year. Um, obviously they've had some struggles with the car this year, um, over at AlphaTauri and it's been somewhat of a point of contention for him, but I think he had a weekend overall where he, he looked great all weekend and continued that from even last year where he, he finished on the podium as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, he was probably one of the top drivers of the weekend, just consistent, being consistent across the board and, uh, you know, battling the way he did and keeping that position and finishing top five is very impressive. Yeah, and I think he's been arguably one of the top drivers the last two years. I would agree. Yeah, just like like we talked about with with Russell this year. Yeah, you know, giving the machinery he has, 
you know, where is he putting it? And he consistently is outperforming the machine he's driving. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's had some very good performances. I think I'll, I'll try to keep a different three. Yeah. Three from you. So I was thinking about, uh, Sonoda a little bit because he was, I mean, he was right there in P5, P6, mm-hmm. you know, he, yeah, he was on for a, a high points finish. A right? Very good. Yeah. yeah a very, very good points finish. But I think in in respect to his teammate, you're right. He's he's been. I mean, he's definitely turning it on a little bit. Last year, he had a little bit of a struggle. Obviously, after starting off and getting his points in his debut, it was very hyped, and then kind of fell off there for a little bit. But I'm glad he was able to continue for another year and keep pushing. And I think he's turned it around a bit. But I think in regards to against a teammate, a Joe Guan Yu has been great all weekend. I think he was one of I agree. A, a standout in his own right, you know, in a car that's not going to be putting in top five consistent finishes. Yeah. But being ahead of Bottas on a circuit like Baku was pretty impressive to me. So yeah. I think he, he was probably one of the standout performers. And then I think I got to go probably Verstappen and Russell. I think Verstappen was just very consistent this weekend. Yeah. Outperformed in qualifying, but able to to really hook up quick lap after lap in in the race and able to to really put together a, a solid race having the largest winning margin ever at Baku yeah for Formula One races was uh, that's that's a pretty impressive feat obviously helps that the Ferraris were were a little farther behind but it's not like they were really gonna be able to to stick up there with him I don't no. think so so he was a standout and then Russell kind of you know like we said earlier a boring race but the ability to keep that car up there and i mean he was ahead from hamilton in the end by over 20 seconds yeah it was a, over i think it was 24 25 seconds yeah. like that he finished ahead of him and that's very impressive for me that he was able to you know take that car keep get it up into third after the two ferrari dnfs and and keep it there and yeah. didn't really fall back and you know obviously he had the gap to to max and Perez up front but you know, once they kind of settled into the race, that gap kind of got to a certain number and just stayed there. So, yeah. you know, he kept his pace up and, you know, it was a lonely race for him and didn't really have any overtaking or anything to do, but he did what he was supposed to do. So, And sometimes I feel like races could get harder when when they're boring, right? Yeah. You got, you got nothing to keep you on your toes. Yeah, you lose at, focus and at make a, street a little mistake. Like that. Yeah, especially Very at Baku. So. Yeah. I mean, we saw the Albin incident in qualifying all alone, not really thinking about much. It looked like he just kind of drifted off focus and I don't know, you know, exactly what it was, but maybe looking down at his, at his steering wheel or something and just clips the wall, you know? Yep. Very easy to make an incident like that. I think, uh, another highlight, absolute highlight, maybe of the season would have to be Latifi. Yes. I think we definitely need to go into a little Latifi discussion here. Um, so (laughs) for, for those of you that did not watch the race, uh, before the race even started, Latifi got a 10-second stop-and-go penalty. No, not necessarily his fault. No, not he, necessarily, but... He made up for it later on. Yes. Uh, so, at the start, uh, when they were lining up for the formation lap, the one of the engineers or mechanics for uh, Latifi moved his car back a little bit on the grid after they were supposed to already be off the grid. Uh, and so, as a result of that, Latifi got a 10-second stop-and-go penalty. So pretty much started the race 40 seconds behind everybody. Yeah. Um, so not his fault. Uh, so we'll let that one slide, I guess. But I mean, he's already so far back. What do you? Yeah. Started off so low that yeah. it's it's just kind of adding fuel to the fire, yeah. right? And being outperformed by Albon on a daily basis every time they get in the car. Yeah. It's some and he was outperformed by by a sit-in for Albon. Yes, that is correct. In yeah, free he, practice. In free practice, yeah. Um, he's just been outperformed all year, and it hasn't even been close. And I know Albon's not new to F1. He obviously had that season with Red Bull, and, or yeah. that season and a half. But, you know, Latifi's been the one driving the Williams for a couple of years now, since, mm-hmm. you know, 2019. And to for him to just have such poor form and, you know, have a running joke tour, like the race is never over until – Latifi has finished because he could crash at any time. Yeah. Um, you know, consistently qualifying in the bottom five, not even getting close to making it out in and the it, Q2. And 
it's so easy last year to just write it off as George Russell is yeah. an unbelievable driver, which, you know, fair play. Yeah. That's true. And Albon, you know, is nothing to scoff at either. He's yeah. been putting in some amazing performances. But when you're getting out-qualified by your teammate by seconds, seconds at times, yeah. it's, it's very, very embarrassing. It's, it's tough, yeah. And it's obviously, you know, the Williams isn't a great car. It's probably the worst car in the grid overall. But, you know, even Albon has been able to get a couple points yeah. out of races with a, a P10 finish and a P9 finish. So Yeah. And even even today, you look at today's race where, you know, Latifi obviously had a thing at the beginning, but he was, I mean, nowhere on pace, consistently at the back. The only reason he didn't finish last was because of all the DNFs. Yeah. Um, but was never there, whereas Albon, you know, obviously did not qualify into, into Q2. They almost never do. I think he has one time this year, but was able to get it up and finish p12 so yeah it's one of those things where you know the conversations has to start being had like when do you make that change because yeah. like and on top of i mean last year being able to write it off as george russell's great you now have a threat underneath you i think there's so many drivers that have been passed on for this season because there's just not enough seats to fill all the talent that there is in the market yeah and it makes people question and often read about potential rumors of replacing him mid-season. Yeah, I think that's something we've been hearing, and I know Williams has come out and said, like, oh, we're probably not going to do that, but, you know, if the driver's reporting that bad and you think you can get more out of it from another driver, why not make the change? You know, he's had plenty of chances. So I know the, the initial rumors are that that he would be replaced by someone like DeVries or someone like Piastri. Uh, which are probably the the two favorites, I would say, for, for that Williams seat based on kind of how everything's working out in the driver market and where the reserve drivers are and stuff. But in my opinion, it's if it doesn't happen midseason, it's got to happen at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see him continuing in a seat in Formula One because he's had, I mean, he's a little bit older. Not, yeah. not old, but by driver's standards at the moment, a little bit older. He's had now three years in formula one over three this is yeah he had 2019 2020 and 2021 i believe this would be yeah well this is yeah going on his fourth now yeah he's had time he's had opportunity and he's never really been able to i mean he's had a couple performances here and there but i don't think that he's and it's all on the back of the grid yeah and yeah there's ways to outperform the back of the grid yeah exactly and i think you know like we talked about with russell when he was at williams like Latifi's never had like one of those performances like wow like when when Russell put it P2 in Spa last year in qualifying yeah um you know obviously Russell just because the car was so bad it's not like he was scoring points all the time they very rarely scored points a lot of times didn't score any but I think in qualifying you at least saw that like potential where it's like we've not really seen those standout performances from Latifi no yeah and and often when he is able to put it in the points not often, but when yeah. he is, when he has, it's because there's carnage up front. Yeah, I mean the prime example that was Hungary last year, where you had, yeah, you know, Bottas just torpedo and everybody, and then tends to help. Half the field's gone, and yeah, then the TV's probably gonna finish in the pool. And there's 12 drivers that finish. There's a good chance you're gonna finish in points, but yeah, anytime he's, you know, had the chance to do it, he either had to capitalize or just isn't even close. And mm-hmm. then he seems to have just regressed this year. Yeah. To a point where he's crashing all the time. He's like you said, he's qualifying behind Albon, who's new to the team this year by seconds, which yeah. is like ridiculous that like you can't be that far off your teammates. So Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So I, I guess I mean moving into some of the some of the rumors. Yeah. You said DeVries, maybe Piastri. I can't see I I can definitely see DeVries taking that seat, yes. and I think that's probably the most likely option, especially with his Mercedes connections. I can't see Piastri. Be, it's hard to see Piastri not going to Alpine. Yeah, but I don't think Alpine's opening up a seat. Yeah, I you know there was some rumors that you know maybe Fernando might retire again, or they mm-hmm. might do something else with him just because of his age and. Yeah, kind of where he's at in his career and just going to bring a young driver in, but I don't think that's going to open up this year. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what Piastri does then. You know, does he just do the reserve driver thing for another year? Yeah. Because uh, I think he's definitely deserving of a seat. It's just where is that seat going to be? 
Um, you know, if we look outside of that Latifi seat, um, you know, the only other one that I could really think of is potentially Ricardo at McLaren. Potentially, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that yep. would be something where it's probably going to be one of their reserve drivers or Herta or somebody from IndyCar. Yeah. Um, or potentially, like, you know, me and you have talked about the idea of Pierre Gasly moving to there. Yeah. Which I guess would open up a seat at Alpha, Alpha Tori, but, again, I just don't see Piastri going anywhere but Alpine. Yeah. I think I could see him at Alpha Tari. If if a spot opens at Alphatari, I could see him taking that spot. Now the question is, what do they do with Sonoda? Yeah, I don't know if he has put in performances to make them want to move him up at all. Yeah, and I don't know how long they. St- I mean, I I know how long they stay stagnant with Red Bull reserve driver or yeah. Red Bull junior drivers, and it's not long at all. Yeah, so that that could be interesting. And I know there's been a lot of talk about Mick. Yeah potentially opening up a seat down at Haas and that's a Ferrari connection and who would they bring in they obviously have a a handful of drivers that they're probably looking at but there's so much talent on the grid and around the grid right now that it's it is and and so much talent staying for next year that I think it makes it very difficult to even begin to predict if we don't know where the openings are really going to be yeah and I think it's um Interesting that we're seeing a lot more of these longer, bigger contracts for some of the top drivers, and I think yeah. that's creating a situation where these, you know, these junior drivers and ones that are in F two and stuff are kind of stuck in limbo to where, you know, there might only be a few open seats because they have all these long contracts, and you know, you look at someone like like Max has a contract through twenty twenty eight, like that's one seat at Red Bull that's locked up for the next six years. Yeah, I mean that's could be you know, your career could be over by then potentially yeah. if you're going to, and you can't really wait that long to get into it. So I think it makes for an interesting driver market because there's just, because of these long contracts, it's just like, there's so few seats every yeah. year that are actually going to be open. So specifically, what are your thoughts on Mick Schumacher? Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think, you know, in his first year with Haas last year, he obviously way outperformed, way outperformed Mazepin. The entire season, which obviously wasn't very hard to do, but um, looked way better all year. And I think going into this year, people had higher expectations for kind of w- w- like what they wanted from him, and they wanted to see some points finishes. And he hasn't had a points finish yet. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of been disappointing. And I know there's been talks about potentially moving away from him because he just hasn't uh, put in those performances. And if you look at someone like K Mag who came back this yeah. year what he's been able to do you know they've obviously struggled in recent races but he's capitalized at the beginning of the year yeah when they had one of the better cars and um i think gets more out of the car than mick does yeah and he continues to put it into the wall and i'm not you know absolutely love the guy i really hope that he's he's able to find a seat or able to at least pick up performance through the end of the year but yeah he isn't able to capitalize really on any of these and he's had a history of not being able to fully take in the car in the first year in the series takes him you know two years to win f2 and a lot of people were expecting that this year obviously it's a new car you know to what they were driving last year but you know i'm I'm hoping that he's able to get a points finish and then build up some confidence and maybe roll with that but there's no guarantee really with a haas car if that's yeah going to continue to be yeah, an just, option they've just been so inconsistent yeah i you know I, I hope the same i like him too but it's just at a certain point they do have to be like you know we've had you for two years and haven't had any points finishes yeah and that's got to be so hard with a name like schumacher yeah i would think it'd be and for haas's side i think it'd be hard too to be like we're gonna get rid of this guy because mm-hmm. like of the name behind him and who he is but and his only his only real option on the grid after haas would be ferrari who's locked up for another couple of years with, yeah. with signs and Leclerc. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where his future goes, but at, at this rate, I don't see it staying in formula one much longer. No, I don't, unless he can really pick up performance this year. I just don't, I don't, I don't see him lasting beyond this year probably. Yeah. So final thoughts on the weekend. Yeah. So overall I enjoyed the race. I thought it was a, a, you know, a, a pretty good race and yeah, um, 
I think it helped that, you know, we didn't see the drama in the way we wanted to see it with, you know, chaos into turn one mm-hmm. on lap one or something like that. But, you know, you did have both Ferrari's DNF. And I think the biggest takeaway from this weekend for me is just the swing in the championship battle, like yeah. over the past couple of races and really was, you know, exaggerated this race in terms of that points, di- points difference and kind of going forward in terms of the momentum that Red Bull has over Ferrari. They just seem to, you know, Ferrari seems to be the team in qualifying right now, specifically Leclerc, but yeah. in race pace, Red Bull just seems... When it matters, in Red Bull's able own. to turn it on. Yeah, and they, you know, we look at, at Monaco and the Ferrari, you know, strategy mess up there and having the engine failures here, and it's just starting to stack up to where they're losing so many points to Red Bull. And they were looking at the be- beginning of the season like the team that won't fall apart. Yeah. And now they're starting to have those mechanical difficulties, yeah. and I don't know whether it's due to upgrades or, or the you know specific circuits that we're at, but it's definitely interesting how much of a swing it has been and now with them waiting in the wings and not being able to capitalize on a lot of these opportunities you have mercedes threatening them yeah from below so yeah that's a that's a very good takeaway and i think something that'll be interesting to watch progress in the in the coming few races yeah i guess you know from your perspective how does how does this you know championship race this year compare to last year I think Red Bull are running away with it, and I and I think it very much is exacerbated by this weekend. Yeah, with a with no points whatsoever for Ferrari. I think I don't think any other team will be able to catch up to Red Bull unless Ferrari are able to walk in with a a nice package next race or maybe the one after. But you know, it is a long season, but at some point, it's it's too much of a reach to get there too much wishful thinking for dnfs on on an opponent's side that you, you kind of lose hope and then yeah you know how and ferrari look like they're on so, such a downhill slope at the moment that it's very hard to see them picking it up and really fully turning it around yeah especially having watched them just let go of all the opportunity that's been in front of them the, the past few weekends yeah i agree i think too you know if we look at it compared to last year, you had Mercedes and Red Bull kind of went back and forth every weekend. And yeah. if you kind of look at the race results from last year, it was always Max or Lewis finishing one or two, and it kind of just flip-flopped. You know, you had one, the beginning, Lewis was better during the middle of the season, Max one more, and then it, it just kind of flipped back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the red, like, Bottas and Prez were always bringing up a clean 3-4 usually. Mm-hmm. And so they were clearly separated from the rest, but pretty even with each other, whereas... You know, this year it just seems like at this point, you know, you have both Red Bull drivers one, two, and they just seem like they're they're not comparable in race pace. It's not like, you know, going into a race last year. Obviously, it was just between Max and Lewis, but you could make an argument for either in mm-hmm. every race and be like, I don't know who's going to win. Yeah. Um, whereas, like even this weekend, at least me personally, like even though Leclerc was on pole, I'm like, well, it's probably going to be Prez or Max. Yeah, that and finishes you first. And you think about the recent races, right? Red Bull's been able to nail strategy pretty well, whether it's been up in the air or not. They're able to do something different and force Ferrari's hand, and Ferrari hasn't been able to cope with that. You see Leclerc doing really well in qualifying, unbelievably well in qualifying, but not able to match it in race pace. And not, you know, he's able to still stick it up there, but when you have a one-two Red Bull drivers that are able to both compete with the number one Ferrari driver and really the only Ferrari driver that's in the mix for wins most of the weekend so far. I think it really, they're really starting to pull ahead and I don't know how much Ferrari's going to be able to reel that back in, but it does only take one weekend at this point. Like yeah. we've seen so many times. Oh yeah. I mean one, you know, one bad weekend from Red Bull and Ferrari right back in this, but you know, kind of, to counter that, you could also say, you know, one more bad weekend from Ferrari and a good weekend from Mercedes, and all of a sudden, Ferrari's battling for P2 with yeah. another team. Um, and I think that's, you know, another takeaway from this is just specifically George and how he's capitalized on it, you know, being 17 points behind Leclerc now. I mean, if you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have called you crazy. But, yeah. you know, he's he's won Leclerc DNF and a podium finish from being even on points, basically. Mm-hmm. 
And like that's wild to me that you know Leclerc, someone who's had seventy five percent of the polls this year, has been Leclerc, and you know had all those wins at the beginning of the season, and to see him not only be marginally ahead of one of the Mercedes drivers who's in a far inferior car is it's wild to me. And if we keep saying it, and it they've obviously gotten better, but if Mercedes does finally figure out the porpoising issue, yeah, like then they could be battling for second with Ferrari there. But and it's not like you know their car and. Toto has described it in specific terms, but you know it's not like it's a bad car no. at the moment. They're still very outrightly beating the rest of the grid. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It does seem like a Formula One one point five and one point seven five at the moment, or something yeah. like that. But yeah. but slowly those gaps I think are are starting to close, or at least be filled. Yeah, I agree. So, um, so I guess you know coming up next we have we have Canada. Next yeah. week, so I don't know. Any initial thoughts on on Canada as a circuit? And I'm I'm really excited. I yeah. really like Canada as a circuit. It has a, it has a lot of quick challenges. Yeah, that come at the drivers, I and I think it'll be I think it'll be a fun one to watch. Yeah. I mean, first time back because of COVID since this 2019, I believe. Yeah. Um. So that's exciting, and you know, I think for both of us, it'll be the first time actually watching the race live. Yeah. Um, obviously I've seen highlights and snips of the different races from the past, um, at Canada, but you know, I'm, I'm very excited for it too. I think it's going to be a fun track. It's a fast track, you know, some long straights and, um, I just think it's good to have it back in the calendar and it's, I think a lot of the drivers like it too. And yeah, I just think it'll be good. And, um, I think it's a race too, where, you know, hopefully it's, it's one that, you know, is able to draw on more fans cause it's, you know, just in terms of watching it, it's, you know, in the in the Eastern time zone, like, mm-hmm. you're going to have it on ABC or whatever, and it's going to be at a normal time, unlike Baku that we're watching at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be at probably 1 or 2 in the afternoon, so. Yeah, something us Americans can appreciate. Yes, yeah, so I'm excited for it. I think, I think it'll be good. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if, if Ferrari or teams like those bring upgrades to it. Um, yeah, or... I, I would think it'd be a hard turnaround from a week. Yes, I I, I would agree with that. A lot but, of travel. Um, I think it'd just be interesting to see kind of how the, you know, my early thoughts would be that it's, you know, obviously I think Red Bull would be the favorite again, mm-hmm. uh, just based on the track. But it'd be interesting to see, you know, how the porpoising plays in effect. You know, it was obviously very bad at at Baku for most of the teams. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something to look out for too going to next week. But I think... Yeah, Canada almost plays to Ferrari a little bit, I think, with, with a lot more of the higher speed corners. That's true. That's true. Big braking zones and with their mobility, I think they might be able to Yeah. Pull out a little bit of a gap, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's you know it's I think it'll be interesting to see like how teams adapt from Baku yeah. to that and if we see any changes from someone like Mercedes, you know, obviously, like you said, with being a weak turnaround, probably no major upgrades, but if they're able to tweak something to get the porpoising back down. Yeah. Um, and I think it's always interesting, too, like how the different midfield teams perform, because mm-hmm. um, that seems to be something that changes weekend to weekend. You know, whether it's, you know, like this weekend, I, I would say, you know, AlphaTauri and Alpine were probably the best two yeah. of the midfield teams in terms of how they look, but then you have, you know, a weekend like in Spain um, or even Monaco where McLaren looked better, specifically Lando, obviously, but yeah. looked better on the track. And, you know, you look, go back to early in the season like Emola where you know, Lando was able to get a podium and McLaren looked very solid there. But then you have – or the beginning of the season where Haas looked like, you know, they could be that fourth best team or the best of the rest. So mm-hmm. I do think it varies track by track in terms of which midfield team is best just kind of based on their car. And I think that's always interesting, an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, and I think another thing to look at is how the teams come in with the mindset now that the standings are the way that they are with a little bit of, of a bigger swing and, and how much, you know, maybe Red Bull starts to relax a little bit or, or whether they're still pushing. Obviously, I think, you know, they're still going to have a great car and be able yeah. to put in some points. Another thing is Ferrari-powered cars not falling apart. Yeah, I mean, they had a tough weekend in Baku. A lot of, I mean, all the failures. Yeah, uh, pretty much for Ferrari cars, except for I think Stroll. Um, at the end, that'd, that'd be a Mercedes powered car. But for the majority, the Ferrari, which is uh, kind of flipped of what it was at the beginning of the season, where the Mercedes power unit 
was the slowest and seemed to have the most problems and um but now it seems to be an, an issue with the ferrari engines yeah yeah well i'm excited for it yeah me too good all right well thank you very much for uh for tuning into our first podcast and we're looking forward to bringing you more content throughout the season uh yeah we'll we'll see you guys in canada all right